Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Welcome to another episode of Life, Death, and Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. We've got a couple of things to talk about today. The first being, what happens with your ashes or your remains when you pass away? I mean, are there any rules for that? Because if you're following the news last week, an incident happened in Europe, and maybe this is because it's European culture. I don't know. But there was a fan that attended a Pink concert. If you're familiar with Pink, she's a pop star in the late 90s, early 2000s, and now she's on tour. Um, and she still sounds good and looks good, and she's doing real well over in the European circuit. Well, there is a fan in the crowd, front seat tickets, standing in front of the stage, and at one point in the concert, this fan throws a little baggie of powdery substance on the stage at Pink, and it turns out to be that fan's mother's ashes, okay? So how would you feel if that happened to you? That was my question. Now, as an estate planning attorney, I have these conversations every day. And in fact, uh, yesterday I was speaking with clients and they were, or uh, last week I was speaking with clients and they, they, I asked this question about you know, how do you want your remains to be dealt with? Have you ever thought about that? And they said, honestly, no, we haven't ever thought about that because I don't want to think about that. I don't want to die. I just want to put that off. Well, that's what I do on a day-to-day basis is I bring these things to light and I ask you, how do you want your remains to be dealt with? Do you want to be thrown at pink while at a wonderful European concert? I mean, what better way to deal with your remains than to be thrown at this pop star in Europe? I can't think of any. Well, if you're my personal representative and you are tasked with, with you know fulfilling my last wish here, isn't it your duty to throw it wherever I want it? I think it would be your legal duty. Legal, yeah, right. You wrote it in in writing. It's in black and white. And I, I forgot to introduce Cody, and we've got Anna Karen as well with us today. So you might hear their voices chiming in, because heaven knows I need my help around uh, to make sure that I don't say something that I'm not allowed to say out loud. I can only think it. And so getting back to your point, Cody, and legally in the United States legal system, oftentimes people will write into their last wishes what to do with their remains. Oftentimes I hear families say something like, well, I really love this particular spot in northern, um, the, north, the northwest of the country because I used to go camping or fishing there a lot and I want my family members to take me out and, and scatter my or spread my ashes up in that area. And uh, that sounds reasonable to me. We've often heard recently in the news that um, Disneyland in California they are not too happy about people bringing their human remains to Disneyland Park and spreading them during a ride or anywhere in the park. In fact, uh, they have people constantly on the lookout for that. Apparently, that's a big deal. It is. A, a very common and uh, popular thing to do with people's remains. Why not? It's the happiest place on earth. It's the happiest place on earth if you want your uh, relative to end up in a vacuum bag because that's what's going to happen. Uh, it, it's a... Uh it's technically still like it, it's kind of in a gray area because you can't really take someone's remains where other people are gonna be. But so why? That's the question. You know, is it unsanitary? Is there some sort of biohazard when doing this type of act? I think so. I think that's what the the state authorities would probably consider. That is maybe not only that, but there is in every state a laws on the books that prevent individuals from. Um, mutilating or decimating uh, a yeah, the remains of an individual yeah. usually that comes in the body form this just this just took a turn 
as I'm talking out loud, I'm thinking this just took a turn. Uh, but yeah, there there are legal cases that we have to study in in law school that deal with this type of issue in the criminal law aspect. Because what happens is most states have, I would say all states. I'm going out on a limb here. All states have criminal code statutes that will criminalize the act of mutilating or desecrating the remains of an individual. And uh, so does that yeah, also go to the standard of cremation remains, cremains? But isn't that for like grave robbers and things like that? I mean, this is, hey, I, I want my, you know, final wishes and that spot where we used to go hunting or my final, you know, ashes. That's one thing. So on the legal aspect, when I first read this story, <clears throat> the first thing that came to mind was that's assault or at least battery when it comes to basic uh, tort actions. Because uh, w when you throw something at an individual and they didn't invite that toss, then the perception or the fear of being hit with something could constitute a legal action on behalf of the person that those remains are going at, right? So you have this baggie of unknown substance coming at you that could be assault and battery if uh, it struck her and she it put her in such a mental state that she feared for some reason, maybe for her life. You don't know what's in that bag. It could be laced with some sort of, I don't know. It could be fentanyl. It could be fentanyl. I, I don't know. You know, it could be uh, years ago we would hear people mailing in envelopes white powder um, that could be lethal when opened or touched, right? And so you don't know what's in that baggie. Or... On the flip side of this, does Pink take that as the ultimate sign of respect? That, that she's been in the game so long that her fans are now passing away <laughs> and ah. they're being thrown <laughs> on stage. That's not where I was going with that, oh. but I get it. Yeah. Yeah, that maybe that's where. <laughs> right? Right up there with the Rolling Stones. I don't like the way he phrased that because <laughs> I remember when Pink came about. Oh, me too. Me, yeah, I know me you too. Do. But. Yeah, we're, we're relatively the same age. And so, well, so you you're a little younger than me. But nonetheless, yeah, she's been around and she's still relevant and she's still selling out tickets or, or concerts. That, and that is incredible all in and of itself. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures on the the um, uh, story that I read, right? And I'm looking at these pictures thinking, man, she looks great for an 85-year-old. No, I don't know how old she is. She's got to be in her 50s. She's got to be. <laughs> Seriously, right? how old is Pink? I don't know. I don't know how old she is, but I know she's older than me. And uh, I'm old, so that she's looking good and great for her. 43. She's 43. Oh, 43. Not bad. I'm seeing the 50s. My bad. Yeah. You just went back. Like, you were trying to give her a compliment, and now yeah. if she hears this, she's going to ah, be real upset man. with you. We're going to lose a listener. When she listens to this show, because Pink listens, she's going to be super upset with that Well, comment. she streams it, you know, as you can stream it now. That's right. In fact, that's going to go to my next plug. Don't miss a beat. Anna Karen ha hates this. I wrote this script, by the way. I lied. I had AI write this script for me. So don't judge it too much, okay? Don't miss a beat to catch up or dive into new show content that delves deep into the complex intersections of life, mortality, and the legal system. Just search for Life, Death, and the Law. Now on your favorite podcast platform. How was that? Well, that's good because that's how Pink listens to it. I know. I know she does. We go way back. <laughs> that, that reminds me of a story. So a few few months ago, I thought to myself, self, how do we get individuals to understand and know what we do here in Yuma, in, in the community of Yuma, helping other families through legal planning, right? I thought, what better way than a celebrity endorsement? 
And so through my Google searches, I found this website where you can pay to get access to celebrities like agents. And then you can reach out to them and things like that. So I did that. And uh, we could reach out to Pink and say, hey, you were spotlighted on our, on our episode. Maybe we can get our, our comment on it. Yeah, maybe did, we can. Did you feel insulted? I'm not going to. Did you feel insulted or incredibly respected? Well, yeah, when you were thrown ashes. Yeah, of, your, of, that, of that mother. So, I mean, what is the, the legal uh, side of that? Because I remember one time we had a client in here and he said, hey, I made the mistake and I told uh, somebody, the, the funeral home or whatever, um, that I was bringing the remains of the, the ashes and I had to get a permit from Caltrans because it's California and if you have ashes on their highway, they want to know about it. Well, it's the same in Arizona. So okay. if you're crossing the border, you're supposed to have a permit to transfer remains across borders of state to state. And uh, whether people do that or not, especially when you're cremated, I mean, I it's hard to know that. I mean, we stop right over here. If, as we're going to San Diego, they ask for fruit, but they don't ask for, hey, do you have a dead person in here? Right. Thank goodness, because there's been a time or two <laughs> when I was crossing that California border where I thought, man, I better just disclose these bananas that I have. But heaven forbid they look for the body, right? It will go the extra mile for the clients. Yeah. <laughs> you see, now, now I have a particular question. What happens if, like, they don't have relatives, but they have last wishes? So, like, say that, like, there is no, that there's no relatives, there's no, nothing, but they have, like, hey, they have it written, I want my ashes scattered onto this wherever. Is that now fall on the attorney? So that's a really good question. We've actually had that happen from time to time in our office where individuals, they return back to our office because there's maybe not a family member or a loved one that wanted to collect those remains from the crematory. And so they end back up at our, our office. In our case, I can only speak to what we do. If they have it written down as to what they want to happen, then we will perform that act in some way. Uh, it's happened before where we've had to take them over to San Diego. You commission and get permission from the Coast Guard there, and then a captain can take those remains out to fulfill the individual's um, desire to be buried at sea, if you will, or spread at sea. But you have to have the Coast Guard involved in that. They have to give permission. You have to go out with a captain, and they do a whole ceremony and things like that. That's happened where a client has not had anybody else around to do that, and the, the remains come back to us because we're kind of like the last people on the paperwork. And so the crematory says, hey, well, are you guys willing to you take custody of these and then deal with them? And obviously, we, I think what I've found is that it's just a, a thing of respect for, that, for individuals, for human life, right? And so that's the way that we view it in our office is that it's, it's respecting that individual's wishes and, and human life in general. And if we can help get that done, we're going to do that if there's no one to step up to the plate. Now, that's just speaking for our policy here in the office. But uh, I don't know. You know, I, there is no, that I know of, some legal mandate to do what the individual wanted in their last wishes. We typically will draft something in a person's uh, living will or their advanced directive or their healthcare power of attorney that will talk about and discuss how they want their remains to be dealt with, whether that's traditional burial, and then they have a spot picked out that they would like to go, or maybe they're silent to that issue, and then the family's left to figure out where are we going to bury this individual. Maybe it's cremate my remains and bury it in this pre-purchased uh, plot that I have in, in uh, 
Desert Lawn Memorial. You know, I, I remember going through plans and seeing you put like GPS coordinates in there. Yeah, like I mentioned before, there are a yeah. lot of people that do have strong feelings about where they their final resting spot is going to be. And I go through that act of pulling it up. I have a big screen TV in my office, or a monitor, like very big. And it's I think it's 52 inches or something like that. So the clients can see very well that spot. And oftentimes they'll say, well, there's this place that I really like the camp and I would love for my remains to, to be spread there. But, you know, it's not that big a deal. I'm like, it, it is a big deal because you brought it up. If, if you didn't, if it wasn't a big deal, you wouldn't have said anything. And the fact that you brought it up, let's go there. And so with modern technology and satellite photography and GPS coordinates, now we can do that. So I'll, I'll hone in and oftentimes they'll just be so blown away at the idea of, and the peace of mind knowing that, hey, I can communicate as to exactly where I want my remains to be. And that is uh, wonderful to a lot of people that they know that they have a resting place and that's going to be fulfilled. I think that's really cool. Personally, that's why I do that. And so oftentimes that comes in the form of GPS coordinates because oftentimes where people want their last resting place to be, it's not necessarily on a map. It's, it's going to be a spot that's geolocated with coordinates. Uh, longitudinal and, and latitudinal. So we've got to get that done. And the best way to do that is with your phone and GPS coordinates. Pretty simple nowadays. Um, and so I'm glad you brought that up. We've got to go to a break. This is Life, Death, and the Law. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. We uh, just got done talking about uh, whether it's appropriate or not to throw human remains at another individual. We're going to change gears here and into a realm that I'm, I'm actually fascinated with. I don't know about you that, that are listening, but I am intrigued by the notion of autonomous cars getting us from point A to point B without a lot of user input. I think that's pretty cool. Something we would have saw years ago in the Jetson cartoons is now becoming more of a reality. Uh, recently, Elon Musk came out and, and mentioned that he plans on having a next version of the software in his Tesla vehicles that would would increase the ability of their autonomous capabilities, allowing them to drive themselves and probably without a lot of, if not any, user inputs, meaning you would sit in the, I think he still envisions that you would sit in the driver's seat and be there in the event of 
necessity. However, most of your controls are not going to be done by a human. It would be the car driving itself. Right now, they're already beta, beta testing this idea. I know they're doing it in the Bay Area, in San Francisco. There's a lot of this going on. And Cody, you mentioned over the break that uh, it's your understanding that there are some beta testing things going on up in Phoenix as well. I know Phoenix has been on the bandwagon for probably 10 years now, probably a decade as to this autonomous type vehicle. I remember in the very early days, we would see, as you drove the highways, you would see these autonomous vehicles and people just sitting there. It's kind of creepy. But uh, I thought, that's nice. I could get a lot of work done while I'm driving. Right. You can text uh, now. But at the same time, you're putting your life in the hands of this robot or this vehicle, and and you're trusting the software to do what it's supposed to do. There have been issues with these types of vehicles in the past. We know of people dying, actually. There's been fatalities because of these uh, vehicles. I guess that's all part of the testing, right? And I imagine you're signing. I don't have one. I've never experienced one. So I don't know, but I'm assuming Tesla probably has some sort of waiver that you're signing as you're purchasing these vehicles or you're beta testing them that you're releasing any liability in the event that you get a significant or serious body bodily harm or injury or death resulting in death or or serious harm to your body. I'm, I, I mean, obviously Tesla is going to do something like that. So you sign away legally your ability to sue them if something happens to you. That's a smart thing to do from a legal perspective. Whether or not that um, is going to deter individuals from bringing on this this technology, I don't know. I know regulators on the federal government level are always looking at this with you know Hawkeye because they want to make sure that people are safe and and that these vehicles are meeting the standards that they have promulgated for the auto industry as a whole. Um, what do you think, Cody? Uh, would you if if this were a reality where you could get into a Tesla and it's going to drive you from your house to work and you don't have to touch a button or do anything you can just check your emails you can watch a movie on Netflix would you do that oh 100% i mean this will make you so much more productive yeah and safer at the cost of what well the like potential of dying but i I'm going to yeah. interject this. As I said that, as those words came out of my mouth, my thought was, you're always at risk of dying when driving a vehicle because you might have somebody else that's at fault or or under driving under the influence or your own stupidity and you do something you're not supposed to do and, and that results in significant bodily injury or harm and, or death. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no I, I think you're right. I mean, uh, I kind of trust the AI over all the other drivers on the road. Is that right? Yeah, oh, I mean, because okay. at least the, the AI I know is programmed to to respond within parameters. Every other driver on the road, I mean, they could have uh, their phone or their kids or their eating or whatever. There's distractions, and um, I think the robot's going to be a little bit safer than people. There's been times here in our office where <clears throat> we've had individuals have to take a taxi here because maybe they have a disability, an impairment of vision or uh, audio, right? They can't hear um, things or they can't see things well enough to have a license, a driver's license. And so they'll have to take a taxi or they'll have to take some sort of Lyft or Uber or something. They have to come to our office to an appointment. For those individuals, as I read this story, I thought this is actually a fantastic tool for them where they can still feel autonomous to the extent that they're getting out and doing things, getting their appointments, 
and they don't have to worry about hurting somebody else because of their impairments or or um, running somebody off the road. Yeah, and I mean, this is technology that's been worked out. I know in, in Waymo, in Tempe, um, those are on the interstate. Those are running on streets. I mean, it, it's legally allowed to operate in Arizona, and they're doing it. So if the technology's there, why not embrace it? What do you think, Anna Karen? Should we be scared or optimistic? You can be a little bit of both. <laughs> Honestly, from a standpoint from someone that works with technology at a daily basis, I don't trust technology as far as I can throw it. Oh, really? <laughs> um, mostly with, with technology, like I've learned one thing. If it can break, it will break. And then when it breaks, it breaks spectacularly. Um, but like, I, I do like the optimism about like the whole, like you said, the being able to like help all these other people that can't really drive themselves. So it's like, oh, it's like, that's, that's great and everything. And I do like the idea. I like the premise. But like when you really start to crunch like certain aspects of it, it's like, can this be used as something harmful for for people it can in what in what regard uh okay so most of everything is is done via software so like uh, so this say that this uh, particular car is programmed to okay recognize human that's a human i stop recognize stop sign that's the stop sign i stop well what do you usually do to your computers so that people don't get in your stuff you put up malware, software, and like all the all this stuff is all in the same in this car. So what is to stop an individual from changing that? So like like at first it'll start off with pranks. Be like, oh yeah, your horn now sounds like this, or blah, blah, blah. But from that prank, someone else gets the idea. It's like, hey, I can do this with it. So what stops people from doing that? And it's like, and it's, it looks like you can say, oh yeah, we can put harder or, or harder to crack software on it. There's always someone that's going to crack it. There's always someone that's going to go around it. So that's my fear. That, and I don't like to lose control of, 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 um, of the situation. Like given the choice of, okay, uh, I'm driving and I, I'm watching this thing drive for me or like, uh, and, and I'm just letting go, letting go of the wheel, letting it take me along the trail of the path and I see a person and I see another person and now it has a choice. Hey, do I take this person or do I take this person? <laughs> How am I supposed to live with that idea of like, Hey, you know what? My car decided that you're not important. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking you out. So Cody, is this a legitimate fear that Anna Karen has? What do I you mean? Think? I mean, technology or anything can be exploited. Like, so yeah, there, there are real th threats to that, but um, I think about the guys that are like piecing together their own Teslas. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I haven't heard this. So Tesla know. is extremely locked down, but there are some people that can buy them, you know, let's say from insurance companies if they got flooded or whatever, and they start putting them together in their garage. And it's extremely difficult. Like it's not like rebuilding, you know, a, an old Chevy in your garage. This is like coding and hacking and and programming so mm -hmm. yeah at some point uh, could a, a, a chinese you know or or russian <laughs> hacker um shut your car down and prevent you from operating it and, and basically making roadblocks uh, maybe i mean it's possible but that's like a more darker scenario like oh. like well no i meant like uh that's no, no, cody no. though no. <laughs> 
I meant that my scenario was a darker scenario, but like, it, but the implements of it, it, it does have great implements. Like, like, yeah, people with disabilities, people that can't move. I want you to envision this. Okay. 32nd street in the winter time. Oh God. With everybody going the speed limit. Oh, Could yeah. you imagine what? the cars that were actually going the speed limit? Actually moving the, through traffic. Actually yeah, moving in, in the winter time. Oh I mean, that's what gives me such okay. great <laughs> optimism. <laughs> now, oh, now I can see your I, point. I get where you're coming from. This is clearly, you know, you're setting the foundation for the firm to to buy an autonomous Tesla, so you <laughs> okay. can go, so you can go get clients. Yeah, we gotta go get. If clients. that's a tax write off, I will do that. Hundred percent. There's tax probably write-off. EV credits in there too. Oh, somewhere. Yeah, it's the yeah. Biden administration. Well, so. according, yeah. according to to our last episode, according to him, there's only a uh, only a certain amount of Teslas that are sold. So like you have to, it has to be a brand new Tesla in order for you to get a break, a break that, and it has to be in the bracket. Do you, do you feel comfortable with uh, where technology is and it interfacing with our world? <laughs> what is that supposed to be? Well, that question? Well, I, I yeah. Understand. I mean, do you feel comfortable like uh, letting cars drive themselves? And I mean, cause people are stupid. They walk out into traffic. They don't use That's crosswalks true. all the time. I you know. So, the answer in a perfect world, yes, but this is not a perfect world. My biggest concern is not so much the software. Well, it, to the extent that it can't be hacked, like you mentioned before, that's a big legitimate fear. However, if the software is sound and, and tested to the extent that they've got most of the kinks out of that, I'm going to trust that software. What I don't trust are the sensors because mm-hmm. I have a couple of my vehicles have sensors on the front and on the back. And as we take long trips across the highway, oftentimes as we stop at a gas station, I'll have to, I don't have to, but I do, I'll get out and I'll rub, I'll wipe off those sensors because it's messing up as I'm driving along. Like it'll, it'll not give me the correct interface outputs that I'm looking for in my vehicle. And I know it's because there's bugs kicked onto those sensors or on those cameras and so I make it a habit to wipe those off as I stop from time to time on, on long trips across the highway just because of bug residue, dust, mud, and then other climates that we don't even experience here. You've got sleet and hail and you've got fog. So those, those uncontrolled elements, that's what gives me the biggest pause when coming to this technology. Not so much the software-based, but these sensors and their ability to be... Um, uh, clogged or or messed up, and therefore the software is reading in in a way that's distorted or not right, and so it's giving an output or a result that's not going to be correct, and that's what I give that gives me pause with this type of technology. If you can solve that issue, then I'd be more on bo- board with it. But I get really nervous about the sensor issues. I, I'll give you an example. Just a couple of days ago, so I I just started flight lessons, and um, I'm. I'm a pilot now, you know. I'm on my third flight lesson, so I'm a pi- I'm basically a pilot. I'm a pilot now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Take gentleman, the gentleman that was taking me up um, for this last flight lesson, he said, "Yeah, this other they've got three airplanes in this flight school," and he said, "Yeah, the other day that 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 airplane, he pointed to the other one we weren't going to fly. He said uh, the pitot tube got tube got blocked with like a bug or something. The pitot tube is a very rudimentary mechanical type instrument." that's designed to have ram air come into it. And and in the internal part of the airplane, as you're looking at your gauges, you're looking at a specific gauge and that pitot tube is controlling that gauge so you know what to do in certain situations. Well, because there was a bug in there, caked in there because of flying through the air, it threw that gauge off. But knowing that ahead of time, 
that pilot was able to deal with that. So they landed the plane, cleaned out that pedo tube, and then went on their merry way. So it was an easy fix. But that's just an example of when your sensors to your instruments become distorted, it gives you inaccurate information. A lot like our current mainstream media, right? Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, you didn't get my joke. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the, no, it, it's making a, like it makes a lot of sense um, because at the end of the day, yeah, this this works in a vacuum. But in the real world, we're not in a vacuum. There's a lot of real elements getting thrown at you. And does the software know how to handle that? Absolutely. And that's where AI comes in. We got to go to a break. This is life, death, and the law. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson, and uh, we've got Cody and we've got uh, Anna Karen in the studio today. We're talking about different items that are coming up in the news. And uh, one of those was a, a story that I came across for a an electric, we're still on this electric car bandwagon, okay, or that theme that we just got done talking about. This particular company is known as Lordstown, and I'm going to read a little bit of this article that I found in the Detroit News. Lordstown Motors shares plummeted after the electric vehicle maker once hailed by President Donald Trump for saving automaking jobs filed for bankruptcy. The move to seek Chapter 11 protection from creditors follows a protracted dispute with iPhone maker Foxconn Technology over a deal to make pickup trucks for Lordstown at an assembly plant in Ohio. The Taiwanese manufacturer had said it was prepared to pull out of their production partnership, prompting the EV, that's electric vehicle startup, to warn it could fail if it was unable to resolve the conflict. So one thing that I read here as it goes on, if President Trump was lauding this company, Lordstown, um, that means that it was years in the making, and this, this company was coming into its its own during the Trump administration when times were good economically. And so this article, which isn't the only article that uses that language, they must have just copied, this is one of those things where the mainstream media just copy-paste or they put out the story. And I could go to probably five different websites that will have that same language. But what's interesting is that very opening line, Lordstown Motors, once hailed by President Donald Trump, is going to file bankruptcy. So obviously that's the hook that they're trying to use to get in and to take a jab at the former President Trump. What, As I go on to read this story, it's like evident that their bankruptcy is not 
necessarily their own fault. They brought in Foxconn, this company, this tech company, to provide them with certain manufacturing help. And in return for that, Foxconn said, well, we want shares of this company. And then Foxconn was not able to perform or they decided not to perform on the contract, which left this uh, Lordstown Motors high and dry. And so their only remedy they felt like was to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy and um, and get out of the game because they couldn't make ends meet and they weren't going to meet their standards like they wanted to. So one thing that, that came to mind was the elicitation of using President Donald Trump and hailing this particular automaking company and then tying that immediately to, oh, well, now they're going bankruptcy, so Trump's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, what they don't say is they were thriving during the Trump administration, and now during the Biden administration, they're going bankrupt. That's the whole thing that I got from this story. So we're going a little political here now, but uh, we've changed gears. But when we go from electric vehicles and Tesla and self-driving cars, this company was working on one of the one of the best uh, trucks. It, it was really in the business of an electric truck, and it's still there. It's got all the chassis. It's got all the technology there, but now they're looking for a buyer to come in and kind of swoop them up or buy them out in this Chapter 11 bankruptcy ordeal. What I didn't like about these articles that I read was that they really demonized or made reference to how it's failing and it's it, and Trump was the one that was kind of boosting this or promulgating how good of a company this was. It probably was a good company on on his watch during the Trump administration because everything was better during the Trump administration economically. And then everything took a turn when the Biden administration came into power. And that's where we are now. We're sliding, sliding, sliding. We've been on a sliding downturn ever since he took office um, in 2021. So that's not said in this article. Why do you think that is, Cody? Why aren't they bringing that up? Well, I mean, they, they want to tie him into the negative news. They, and if you know, look at all the Trump-related news that's out there, it is all negative. It's indictments this, Republicans that have turned on him. I mean, you name it. It is anything bad they can say about him. But what I don't get is um, if it was President Trump that, that was, you know, touting this back in the day, you know, we had a different time. We had a different economy back then when he was in office. And um, chips and, and electronics and production was much easier to come by back then. And we're all crunched right now. I mean, is Ford still having issues getting certain vehicles to market because of, you know, chips and, and, and manufacturing, uh, delays? It's my understanding that all manufacturers are. And so what does that, where does that put us? It's not even just vehicles. I mean, that extends to Anna Karen, you know, this in the computer markets, right? Mm -hmm. Silicon. So getting those parts necessary to build uh, motherboards and, and things like that in, in the PC world, everything is backed up. And what's the common mantra? Why? It's Trump's fault. Well, yeah, oh. it's Trump's fault. Or <laughs> my 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 go-to is, oh, COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's like, okay, that happened, but we're back, right? Aren't we back? I'm pretty sure we're back. Um, so can you still use that as a legitimate excuse as to why you're not bringing things to market and manufacturing. And furthermore, I went to um, yesterday with my family, I went to get a burger at Five Guys. And as I was looking at the menu there, they have this really old school menu and it has the numbers as to uh, cheeseburger. And what they've done is they've taken a piece of paper and put it next to the price. So it used to be obviously under a double digit price because there was only so many spaces for under double digits. Now they added a space 
with a piece of paper. So it's like $10 for a cheeseburger. I'm like, that's sad when you have to actually add a piece of paper to bring it double digits, you know? And I'm like, $10 for this cheeseburger? Are you kidding me? It is not worth $10 to me. So when does that change? Does that go back down? I don't know. Is this just the world that we live in now? Everything's just inflated? Yeah, 20% or more. I didn't live in the time. My, my, my dad talks about when in the 80s, uh, prior to Reagan, during the Carter administration, when you'd have to wait in line. You were assigned a day of the week that you could fill up with gas, and then you had to wait in line, sometimes for hours, to get gas in your vehicles. And there was hyperinflation then. Is that the world that we're living in, and does it rebound? Does it come back down, and how does that actually happen? Any ideas on that, Cody? I have no idea. If you were president, Cody, how do you change this? How do you make this work? <laughs> Come on. You're a politician. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah. You're so uh, th- there's there's a lot of reform that has to happen, like system-wide. There's a lot of of, of excessive waste and nonsense. I, I agree with that. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to uh, roll that back, roll this back. I mean, because... Life is just more expensive now. I mean, I, I I don't know, Adam. So do we just accept it and move on? Uh, what well, we what we just is, we is make more point? money. We have to demand more money from our employers, <laughs> and it would just move everything moves up. Everything moves up. Like yeah, okay. you're spending a hundred thousand dollars on a truck now. You know, like the forty thousand dollar days are gone. So basic economics: How do things come down? Supply and supply demand. Supply and demand. Yeah. Right. So if you have oversupply. The tendency economically is for that the value of that item to go down. So are these manufacturers purposely Stunting choking yeah. their supply? Wasn't Nvidia doing that or ATI or one of those guys like yep. they were perp- yeah. What's interesting is is that their stock park their stock price just skyrocketed, you know, and they're controlling their own their own uh, distributions. So it's easy for a, a, a bad actor to come in and say, well, we just can't really put the production out like we used to. We're just strapped because of staffing. Nobody wants to work. Therefore, we can't manufacture as much as we used to. Therefore, the supply line is restricted or choked. And therefore, we have to charge more. We just, it's just something we have to do. But, I mean... I think, honestly, I think that's nefarious in my, in my mind. What is that... Uh, during the pandemic, remember the whole face mask issue and even toilet paper. Yeah. So people were going out and just hoarding this stuff and then selling it for a premium. That's typically illegal. It's price gouging, right? This is, in my opinion, just another form, if not more sophisticated, of price gouging. You're purposely constricting your manufacturing power and holding your supplies low to demand high pricing. And that just puts everybody out, you know, and that causes a chain reaction, a domino effect, if you will, in the markets. So when I go get a burger at Five Guys and it's $15 for a cheeseburger, um, that's not even with my fries. That's just the cheeseburger. It was a meal. That was $15 for the cheeseburger and then another 7 or no, it was $8 for fries. And then you get your drink on top of that for another 4 or $5. So, yeah, my family spent, I think, $170 yesterday at Five Guys. And that we went to Five Guys because I was like, oh, it'll be cheaper than sushi. It'll be cheaper than this, that, or the other. Not so. I didn't know that. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. Not yeah. anymore, sir. So now, now my kids don't go, go to college because yeah. I had to pay for Five Guys yesterday. <laughs> better get some scholarships. Yeah. You better get some grants and scholarships. Daddy cannot afford it because so, Five Guys. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how that goes backwards. I, I haven't seen that go backwards in my life. In our lifetime, you know? right? Yeah. 
we lived so Cody and I, you were you and I were and maybe Anna Karen, I think you're a lot younger than us, but eighties. Right? Yeah. Well born, born, born in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. So we best. our our high school gassing up experience was the late nineties. Ninety nine cents. Ninety nine cents under a dollar a gallon of, of gas. You could waste it. Yeah. yeah. All stuck. We gotta <laughs> we gotta go start fires in the desert. We just waste gas. Yeah. You just yeah. dump it all over anything you wanted. You could pour gas on. It's like that's eh, just gas. It's only ninety nine cents. We just get more. <laughs> we just get more. Not the case. No. It, now it's, it's twenty. It's all you guys' fault. <laughs> now it's twenty dollars a gallon. Um, the good news is, like I mentioned before, I'm taking these flight lessons, and when I go to fill up the plane, I'm like, oh, that's not bad. That's about how much I pay for diesel. Yeah, what is the car? Uh, it cost five, I want to say 520-something a gallon for <laughs> jet fuel. Yeah. Jet fuel is the same for the oh I was going to drive over to the base and start filling my truck up with that. <laughs> that won't work. Don't not do that. Don't follow that advice. That Don't was bad advice. That. <laughs> but there are people that would hear that and say, I can do that, and they'll go yeah. try to. So I have to put the disclaimer out there. Just just get racing fuel. Racing. Just get racing fuel. Um, I do want to try. So I do have a diesel. I digress. I have a diesel engine. And so my dream one day is to pour peanut oil in that sucker and see if it works. Oh, you're not doing, um, what is the, the term? I just drew a blank. <laughs> the refined. Uh, oh, refined oil, the oil. Where you go around to the restaurants. And yeah. Get your, you use like French fry oil. To so. I've heard in theory that that works, but I'm just too scared to try it. Biofuel. 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 Biofuel is just a euphemism for the leftovers from your cheeseburger. Oh, you're, so you're not you're not interested not, in doing biofuel. Well, I am. I would imagine it would smell if it doesn't very interesting. Ruin my engine. Yeah. So I'd like you to try it first, and then let me know how it goes, and then I'll. I'll oh, I'm I'm fine just using gasoline. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because you're a billionaire, you can afford it. No, oh, use wow. dead dinosaurs. Dead dinosaurs <laughs> with the bones. Not for long. And that moves us to, to the next thing. You know, we've got all electric type mandates, especially in California. They're supposed to be all electric for their vehicles. And uh, sounds great in theory. However, in practicality, in real life, how you power all those batteries, you've got to use some sort of a power plant or some sort of generator. Something. And their grid system is not going to support that type of power influx. I think they had it on the on the books for 2026, I believe, if, off the top of my head. I think it was 2025 when he wanted all cars to be switched over. He, to Gavin Newsom, right? The yeah. governor? The governator? The governator. I mean, all right, so that's their cars, but they're still buying actual power from us. So, I mean, the state can't even produce their own electricity that they need. And I don't know if that's self-inflicted or not. I mean, I think they can. They just choose not to. Yeah. They, they like to virtue signal to everybody else you know this is how you do things oh by the way we can you like it's like my kids you know <laughs> honestly it's like kids it's they, like they it's talk like... they talk all big and then at the end of the day they're like hey dad can i have 20 bucks to you know i gotta go out to the movies and stuff i'm like no nah. uh, i thought you're so, i thought, you're an, I thought you're an adult here you're making adult arguments you're talking to me like an adult you talk to me uh with dis- disrespectful tones and then you ask for money yeah Here's twenty bucks. Here's twenty bucks. <laughs> Here's twenty. I just bucks. had to Get say that before head. I gave it to you. Like the state of California. Like the state of California. Yeah. You see the the analogy here? It's perfectly fitting with a small child. <laughs> okay. We got it. We got to end. I know you guys want more. We'll talk to you next week. This is life, death, and the law. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson at nine two eight. 
888-400-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. Hey, Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.